if a woman is being like sensual, people automatically think that she's being sexual. And I feel like understanding different cultures and stuff like that, like can really help because like in my culture, moving in a sexual or sensual way isn't exactly sexual. It's not about sex. It's about right. moving your body in a way that feels good. What you're about to hear is part of a seven conversation series on demystifying stripping and decolonizing sexual empowerment with seven different individuals. Today, you'll hear a chat with the badass April Hayes, a stripper, stripper advocate, and pole dancer, who was also interviewed for the BuzzFeed article that I was interviewed for last month. We got to talking about experiences of discrimination in the pole dance industry, healing relationships with the male gaze in the club, and how the culture we're raised on impacts our perceptions of sexuality and what happens when that comes into conflict with the white gaze. Check it out. Hi, April. Hi. Hi, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much for joining us, joining us, me, joining me, yeah. <laughs> and joining anyone who's joining in. Um, I'm so happy that you're here. This is also, this is the first time I'm doing, um, well, I've been hosting a podcast, but this is the first time that I'm hosting or talking with anyone that I haven't had a conversation with before, <laughs> but I feel like we've, I feel like I, I know you based on your words and what you've been sharing recently. Yeah, same. Definitely. So I'm grateful that you're here. Um, I just want to start this whole conversation before I introduce you properly um, by saying that I want to talk a little bit about the title of this series. So demystifying stripping, what does that mean? Like for me, I feel like why it's important to talk about this, especially right now with all of the kind of that has come to the surface recently is also about humanizing us, humanizing strippers, like getting yeah. to hear their own stories from their own mouths versus um, like some othering force saying what a stripper is. And so that's why I want to talk about demystifying stripping and then decolonizing <laughs> sexual empowerment is really like, giving other voices to the conversation other than the ones that have been on top for a long time and yes. are the most seen, you know? And it's like, so what decolonizing means a lot of different things, but um, we all have to be a part of the conversation in dismantling that. So yeah. just wanted to start there. And now let me introduce April because she is awesome. April is a uh, pole dancer, a Lyra aerialist. Did, did I say Lyra right or is it Lyra? Lyra. Lyra, okay. Lyra aerialist, my bad. Uh, stripper and activist. And we crossed paths because we both um, were interviewed for BuzzFeed. We didn't know each other prior to that, but we were both interviewed for BuzzFeed about our reactions to the movie Strip Down, Rise Up. And that's what kind of got us in conversation. Is, is there anything else, April, that you want to introduce about yourself that I, that I missed? Um, not really. I feel like that kind of encapsulate, you know, pretty Sweet. simple. Uh, like, I mean, we're all complex humans, but you know what I mean. I know um, what you mean. <laughs> but actually, um, I had seen your videos of you talking about the documentary um, before and after it came out. Mm -hmm. And so when I was actually being interviewed for the BuzzFeed article, they asked me if there was anyone who, uh, like, if I knew about anyone who had been part of the movie or anything, because I had mentioned people who I had heard of and stuff like that, um, kind of meaning like mentioning you. And um, so I gave her your name. So, oh, yeah. see, I didn't know how that all came together actually. So thank you for sharing that. Um, thank yeah, you for, for, for thinking of me for that. Um, mm -hmm. and I would like to, well, first, how are you today? Um, <laughs> like, how good. are you? I need you? to close my window. Hold up. Okay, good. Cool. Yeah, take care of your, your space. They're like doing yard work right now, of course. Well, I can't hear it, just so you know, but that's yeah, good. Take care of your space. <laughs> it's distracting to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
What did you say before? I'm sorry. I'm just asking you, how are you? Like, oh, I'm good. as a person beyond all this, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. Um, I'm really tired. I had an early morning for myself. I'm not really a morning person. Um, mm. I had a pole rental today, um, which was fun. Uh, got to pull outdoors, which I think was very good for my uh, mental health well-being. Um, yeah, that's that's one nice thing about pole dancing is that you can pole dance outside um, mm. in some places and the, no one cares. Um, people will just walk by and, oh, it's so cool, and give you compliments and stuff. So yeah, that is you're one in. nice thing about uh, nowadays is that it's not like crazy wild. Oh, you're setting up an outdoor pole in the right. park with children? <laughs> <laughs> That's progress. And you're in the Bay Area, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah also a more welcoming space to yeah, maybe yeah. that kind of thing um so thank you for sharing that thank you for being here again just to ground us i would like to just start with talking about your thoughts on the buzzfeed article um since we've kind of we've done a lot of talking about the movie and i don't really want to enter this conversation on that it's like what's next you know mm -hmm. but also how did you feel about the, the BuzzFeed article and um, the way that it was presented and everything like that? Um, I, I liked it. Um, of course, you know, it was like interesting to see um, the filmmaker kind of doing that kind of backtracking like, oh, well, this isn't a movie about the whole community. This is a movie about one aspect when um, it's interesting because like when you watch the trailer, they're like, this is the pole world, you know, they say that in the trailer. So it's kind of interesting right. how they're just like, well, it was never meant to be about all of pole dance. And so it was just, I found it very interesting. I wasn't surprised that that mm. is how they um, were acting to the reactions that were being um shown totally. uh, another thing i thought was very interesting was that um amy bond talks in the interview i think she spoke in the interview either that mm -hmm. or they were quoting her um but about like how the poll community needs to do better and everything and i i found that interesting when she was the one who said one of the most offensive lines to me in mm -hmm. the documentary um talking mm -hmm. about how she wants to live in a world where she can say she's a pole dancer and people won't assume she's a stripper. Um, so I thought that was right. kind of interesting. I don't know if she's ever addressed that comment that she made, but it seems like she's very much trying to be uh, perceived as a very pro stripper, pro sex work person. I mean, I know she was a sex worker. She was in um, the adult film industry for like six months. Um, but yeah, so I, I do think it's kind of funny that, like, I don't think she's addressed her horophobia in the plot in the past, anti-stripper rhetoric. So it's mm -hmm. like very interesting to see how um, these people are kind of talking about this in a way that evades them from accountability, you know? Right. Totally. Yeah, I agree with you. It seems like everyone's just kind of trying to cover their ass um when what they said was what they said you know yeah, absolutely <laughs> and um and also i thought yeah it was pretty politically correct like the you know the author of the article i think was just trying to like present no, both yeah. sides without taking it aside and mm -hmm. you know right it's like it's predictable not surprising <laughs> yeah but, you know, one thing, like, even just today, I had somebody, um, or I saw that somebody commented uh, who shared the experience in the classroom with me. I'm not going to name her name or anything, but, um, you know, her response to the article was just like, I don't understand why we have to include strippers in this conversation still. And so, you know, um, just because you don't understand it, doesn't mean it's not true, right? It's like, yeah. can you attempt to understand it or do you not want to go there? Because 
there you can you can learn something if you try to understand <laughs> yeah definitely. right um so like what why don't we just talk about how you came to pole dancing yourself and like what that journey was like for you so i actually this is interesting my journey is actually pretty similar to a lot of the women's journey in the documentary which is why I felt so strongly about there not being any strippers in it. Because I myself have a very similar kind of background in pole. And so I had just moved to the Bay Area from um, Stockton. And it's like a smaller city in Northern California, um, mm. like a few hours from the Bay Area. But I didn't know anyone. And I moved in with my boyfriend. Um, and I was just working at Starbucks and there was this whole change in scenery for me. And I have a really hard time with change. Um, and so I just became like really depressed and I was having a really hard time. And so my therapist had suggested that I try doing some sort of workout class, like a dance class, something to make me feel like more active while also like feeling creative. And so I was just like, maybe I should take a pole class. And I just like looked it up on Groupon, took a class at uh, a local studio for free. And um, I like, I just like loved it so much. And mm -hmm. it was just awesome for me. So like after the first few classes, I kind of really wanted to do it more, but it was expensive. And so I was like, how can I make money so I can pole dance? And so I thought, I can be a stripper. Um, I was really naive. I thought that I could find a club that I could just do stage on. <laughs> um, there's no clubs like that here. So uh, right. yeah, I found a club that was within my boundaries, though, and I really like it. Um, and so, yeah, it just kind of went from there. I kind of mm. stopped taking pole classes because dancing so much at the club, I just like, improved so much without even needing to take classes so right yeah that's how I started out I was just like depressed wanted to take a class and then yeah so mm. I started pole dancing before sweet so you were dancing and then you felt called into the stripping world and that's 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 similar to my experience too I was a dancer I'm a lifelong dancer um but it's it's interesting I share that in that I wanted to make money to sustain my passions and not have to be spending my whole day in the environment where I was working nine to five and not having any energy for myself. So mm -hmm. I feel like I share that element, like um, that that's what it brought me. And I also was like, oh, I'm just going to do stage. It'll be great. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not the reality at all, um, which is, you know, it was an interesting journey and people think, and I, I think even myself, I'm guilty of saying this before I went, I became a stripper, like, oh, you know, if all else fails, I'll just be a stripper. Like that <laughs> is really, that's offensive. I, I call myself out for having said that in the past. Cause you think mm -hmm. it's just something that you just go and do, but it's, there's a whole, it's a whole world and there's a whole learning curve there. And, um, and that's real. And also like, just to acknowledge that, I myself understand that I came to it from a place of privilege and that this is not like, I'm not speaking for everyone's experience on stripping. I'm speaking to my experience of how I came to it and understanding that, um, that even for me to even feel like I could go into this space and um, explore empowerment there is a privileged place to come from. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, absolutely. I totally get what you're saying. Because like at the end of the day, we chose to leave like fairly stable jobs. I mean, I'm assuming like by myself, I chose to leave like a fairly stable job. Um, it was a minimum wage job, but it was stable job, you know, um, to pursue stripping. So it was like, it is something where I was like, yeah, I, I willingly chose to do this. I didn't have to. There was like no reason for me to ever really 
do it other than me wanting to. And that is a privilege to mm -hmm. actually want to strip and to be happy doing it, you know, because totally. just like every other job, there are people who strip who don't like it, you know, because mm -hmm. not everyone mm -hmm. likes their job. and That's totally valid, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally, yeah. Um, so uh, there was something I was going to say there, but I lost it. Um, it'll come back. Um, <laughs> so I want to ask, like, okay, so after you became a stripper, did you continue taking pole dance classes? Um, like, a little bit. Like, I feel like, like I said earlier, it was like, I was practicing so much and I was mostly working. I started working day shifts because, like, I have a hard time socializing and stuff. So day shifts was just easier for me. Mm -hmm. And, um. I was just able to practice more. And so I just didn't really feel like taking classes. And then I would work so much. Sometimes I wouldn't even have time for classes. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would like try and take a class like once a month, try and keep up with it because like I do, I was like, okay, well, I want to be a full instructor. So I need to be improving. I need to be actually making sure I know technique and stuff like that. And so I like try to keep up then, but mm -hmm. right now I, I don't take any pole classes mostly because I can't really afford it. But, um, luckily I, since I'm an instructor now, the studio I work at offers me, uh, free classes. I just haven't gotten around to it <laughs> yeah, since gotcha. the studio closed, but yeah. yeah, your videos are gorgeous. By the way, if anybody hasn't watched Thank uh, you. <laughs> April's videos they're really beautiful and and inspiring because I honestly like I don't know many pole tricks like I'm not a pole dancer I have I dance around the pole but I don't know how to get up on it for real life <laughs> I'm very much a grounded dancer like I can't I haven't figured out how to get up there yet but yeah. so <laughs> but I was just asking also because I was curious if the um pole community in the dancing space like did did you receive what was was there any kind of reception from others who were doing it as full fitness or what was that experience like yeah it was weird um so i started at um i just started at like a local studio and it was really nice like when i first came in um the studio mentioned strippers in my first class the beginners class and um they kind of <laughs> It, it was funny because they were just like, oh, as a pole dancer, you're going to want to pick a an alter ego for yourself, a stage mm -hmm. name, you know, like kind of doing the whole like stripper thing, but for pole dancers and catering mm -hmm. into like housewives, obviously. Um, and so like it was a nice environment and it was like pretty pro stripper. It was nice. Um, and then I became a stripper and like, well, actually... The first class that I took when I decided that I wanted to be a stripper, it was um, like my second time taking the class. So I was like still in the beginner's class and they were going around asking like, what do we want to get out of this? Right. And I said, I want to audition at a strip club. And um, there were two like housewives who were with their teenage daughters and they gave me like a dirty look and then like kind of whispered to each other. And it was just hilarious to me that these like grown women are taking their teenage daughter to a pole dancing class and they're like offended or appalled that a sh a someone would want to be a stripper <laughs> in the class. So like, I thought it was like really funny mm. and like, I don't, I'm like the kind of person where it's like, if something like happens like that, I'm just like, Oh, that's funny but it's really not funny because it's, right. it's not okay to like act like that it is like discriminatory behavior mm -hmm. i just don't know like how else to process it i guess yeah. yeah i feel like that was i guess like the most anti-stripper stuff that i have dealt with um mm -hmm. kind of in the bay area mm -hmm. other than that i feel like i've mostly been fetishized here a little mm -hmm. bit um the studio I'm at right now is amazing. I love it. Uh, everyone who works there and the studio owner are all like really uh, awesome people. And they're like open to learning and to uh, being educated and stuff. And they ask me questions and like 
they're always, you know, wanting to be like the best allies they can be and stuff. And so like, that's like really nice. But the first studio that I ever went to, like as a student, um, I taught a workshop. Uh, it was a lap dance workshop. And I showed up. I wasn't wearing makeup because I don't, I didn't really like to wear makeup when I wasn't working. Um, I was just too tired. Um, and mm -hmm. it was just like, what's the point? I'm not going to put makeup on to teach other women. Um, and so mm -hmm. I was wearing like comfy clothes and like my outfit underneath. And um, the owner of the studio came up to me and was just like, is that what you're wearing for class? And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I have my outfit underneath, but it's like comfy. And she was like, oh, okay, you have your heels though, right? And mm -hmm. I'm just like, yeah, which I was annoyed by because I don't do dances in heels because like here mm -hmm. we're allowed to take our heels off. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've never really, I had never given a lap dance or a private dance in heels, but I was mm -hmm. being expected to teach lap dance in heels. So that was mm -hmm. weird, but I was like, okay, whatever, I'll do that. Um, and then she looked at me again and she was just like, do you have any makeup? And I'm just mm -hmm. like, no. She's like, can you put lip balm or something? Capstick, lip, lip gloss? And mm -hmm. I was just like, um, okay. And so it was just kind of weird because I felt like she had wanted me to, she wanted me to look like a stripper, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, that was, like, really uncomfortable for me because, well, first of all, not all strippers even wear makeup. Mm -hmm. Like, I can, like, I have a bunch of coworkers that I know who have worked multiple times without wearing makeup and yes. while wearing, like, basically, like, a T-shirt and cute panties, you know? And so it's, like... Mm -hmm. The fact that she wanted me to get like all glammed up and look like this like biggest showgirl stripper it was like um mm. okay but that's like i'm coming here to teach the classes like myself not as my stripper self mm. i don't know because like for me personally when i teach i like to be myself um I don't really like to put on my sex worker or stripper persona because mm -hmm. first of all, it's exhausting. Um, and second of all, like I am neurodivergent. So it is already exhausting for me to mask already. So to have like two masks mm -hmm. on top of that is just like a lot for me. So it was just like really just like offensive, but yeah, I feel it's weird to say, but I feel kind of, lucky enough that that's the only kind of bullshit I've had to deal with here. Totally, um, yeah. Other than that, it's just like kind of been like I've just felt, you know, vibes. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I'll get a, a vibe from someone that they might not be very pro stripper mm -hmm. and then I'll hear stories about oh, how they used to use hashtag not a stripper and shit like mm -hmm. that. So it's a uh, it's weird, you know, because I haven't really experienced too much, but then it, I'm, I like put my feelers out and then I'm like, ooh, there's something there that I don't like, you know? Right, right. <sighs> wow. Well, there's so much that you just shared. Thank you for sharing all of that. Firstly, mm -hmm. um, it is interesting, huh? Like, Obviously, the experiences that you have, as you said, that you mostly laugh them off. But these are actual, these are real aggressions. Uh, these are real offensive things to have happened. And it's like, we expect that the worst has to happen before we're even acknowledged for our experience, right? Yeah. It's like, and of course, there's a spectrum of bad shit that can happen when you're um, a woman, bad shit that can happen when you're a sex worker, stripper, mm -hmm. like, but why, yeah, the extreme, like, the expectations of the extremism is, like, it's kind of fucked up, right? Um, yeah. And, like, I, and, I, and I feel you, yeah, so it's, like, we understand that this it's privileged for these are the minimum things that happen, but they're also, they have an impact, and, like, 
we all contribute to whether that's okay or not okay. And I think that that's exactly at the core of like what is why it's so important for um, classes around pole dance or pole fitness or, you know, erotic dance, if it's using aesthetics of stripping to acknowledge because here's what happens when you don't acknowledge at all. You are teaching others it's okay to go into the world and not acknowledge it in their everyday, right? And then they internalize the shame that they're feeling and they just point it towards other people, right? Which is what this movie did so well. It's like trying to pull it away from the roots. And that means, you know, and like I said before, you don't have to talk about stripping if you're just, if you're talking about sensuality or eroticism, like stripping doesn't have to be part of the conversation per se, but since you Mm -hmm. use the aesthetic of stripping and you don't talk about stripping, then that's appropriation. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly it. Yeah. So I think that that's, yeah, like the story that you shared about the mother and the daughters. It just makes me really sad because those, those daughters are probably going to be confused, right? The teenage daughter is like, okay, so it's okay to be empowering, but it's not okay to make money off it, but it's okay to pay for it. But it's not okay to be that out in the real world. If I do it, I'm a rebel again, like I'm being bad and I'm, you know, going against what my mother wants me to do. If I don't do it, then I'm going against myself. It's like a whole mindfuck that yeah. is being perpetuated in that moment mm-hmm. and moments like it. So, yeah. <laughs> so fuck that. That's why we're here talking about this, right? Because I know that a lot of people, um, I know that a lot of people like on my platform, I've shared spaces with in other dance classes that weren't necessarily stripper centric, but sometimes did draw on stripping or I've, I've held space where we haven't necessarily like divulged into all the way underneath the surface like we're doing now. So that's why we're having this conversation, right? Mm-hmm, um, exactly. And so, okay, then um, to take that to the next level, like in your everyday life, you're, you shared with um, recently that you're shadow banned currently. And I mm-hmm. noticed that when I go to type in, so a lot of people don't really understand what shadow banning does. Like when I go to type in your name, I have to type in your entire name before you pop up. Or, and I'm sure like there are other things that, how, how did you know that you're shadow banned? Um, so... I wasn't 100% sure at first, but it was mostly because, like, I have, like, 2,000 followers, and, like, my videos would get, like, 50 views, like, 100 views, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, like, pretty weird, but you actually, like, the thing that really tipped me off was the fact that um, once I got my backup account, my main account basically disappeared. So anytime people would tag me in things, they would tag my backup account because that was what would come up. And so I never really noticed that I was shadow banned until then because like people really had no problem tagging me. But now that I have a backup account, that comes up right away and Mm. people don't tag me anymore. And so like, I think I was probably shadow banned before, but because I have a backup, that one's new and it's just a fresh slate. And so like, that was really mm. how I found out that I was like pretty shadow banned. Just mm. the fact that you have to type out my full name and everything. And yeah. like, even then, like there'll be times where I'll type out my full name and I won't find myself like on mm-hmm. my other accounts. And I'll have to like go back and like look at it tag or something and then click there and that's how I can find myself so it's like even then like they don't let your page pop up and it's weird because I changed my gender to male on me too Instagram like last year like in 2019 like quite a while ago and so I'm just like I'm surprised that I'm even shadow banned so I mean goes to show that men can be shadow banned too um but it's it's pretty wild just like I think because, yeah, I don't know. Maybe because during the pandemic, I have spent more time advertising like OnlyFans Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, 
I think those are the things that got me targeted by the Instagram police or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. It's extremely frustrating. (laughs) And um, I'm sorry you're shadow banned. And like, but, and also we could think of that as like, oh, it's just social media, right? Or we could think of that as like what it really is. It's, it's the attempt at erasure. Like mm-hmm. the attempt at silencing. Yeah. And if we're thinking about this platform as a space that we're all arriving at equally, like we're no, we're not. <laughs> we're not yeah. being allowed to be um, seen to the same extent that anybody else is, right? Mm-hmm. Like a real life, real life reality of what is happening um, culturally at this moment, what is happening around internet oppression. Um, due to like FOSTA and SESTA has a big part of it, right? That, um, and if you don't know about that bill that was passed, it's about, um, well, it's, it's, it was made, it was designed to, and I don't know, I, like all I know is, okay, I know that it was made to do ban, um, to remove sex work from the internet. Mm-hmm. What it really did was push it more under the surface and so that it can't be seen out in the open, but still happening on the internet, right? It's like not going to be erased from the internet. And instead of the priority being focused on that, what it has done is, uh, confu- it, since it's very confusingly worded, uh, like vaguely worded, yeah. and also um, since it's, um, yeah, I guess... And, and since the line around consent isn't isn't clarified, it's like consent is is not relevant to the bill. So then you group in people who are being sex trafficked with people who are choosing to show their body in a legal way, by the way, because in all 50 states, stripping is legal. Yeah. Um, it just clumps them into the same pile, which is mm-hmm. fucked up. Um, so that's part of why the shadow banning is happening. And um, it's also why it's really frustrating that and you said this in the article like why it's really frustrating that netflix can put out this show and it's like yay pole dancing but it doesn't actually acknowledge women who are doing it who are currently you know being erased yeah absolutely (laughs) i think it yeah it's very interesting like and to touch on that even more um i have a tiktok and my first tiktok got permanently deleted um, same <laughs> yeah similar. <laughs> I it had that happened because a video I posted of me at the club falling um me almost falling on the, off the pole I posted a funny video of me almost falling off the pole and um it went viral a bunch of incels and little kids found me and started reporting me and um mm-hmm. yeah I just got deleted and now my current TikTok, I have like a bunch of pull videos under review and I'm like mm. very clothed. So like I'm wearing pull shorts that are bigger than most bikini bottoms that women wear at the beach. So it's like ridiculous that it's nice. being flagged for like adult content and nudity. Um, and on top of that, there is a P Valley TikTok that has literal clips of the strip club scenes on TikTok of them pole dancing in their bikinis and their their stripper outfits and everything at the strip club in the show. Um, And that's totally perfectly fine, I guess, for Mm P-Valley and for hustlers to um, advertise their show and TV and movie on there. But I can't post a video of myself. And it's the same thing here. Like all of these shows and movies about us can perfectly well advertised like no problem but the moment i post a video of myself at the strip club it's inappropriate mm-hmm. but meanwhile you have a video of j-lo pretending to be a stripper at the strip club and it's fine like it makes right. sense. it makes no sense and it's really just another way of policing women's bodies mm-hmm. of agency especially right <sighs> because um and you said that you said this in a recent post. You said like shipping was part of you. Uh, it, it it lended to you feeling more deeply rooted into agency, something along those lines. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit? 
Yeah, like, so for me personally, like, I've never really had, like, any wildly traumatic experiences with men, but I've just been afraid of men, mostly because of, like, stories from my mom and other women in my life. I just kind of had a, a fear of men. And so, like, once I became a stripper, that kind of took that fear away. And it was just, like, it was just wild to me because I suddenly started to see men for who they really were. You know, we're all human beings. We're mm -hmm. all, we all have our faults and everything. And it was just interesting to see that, like, some of the men who are like the worst are like really sad and weak mm. and small, you know? And so stripping kind of gave me that power where it's like, I don't have to let this man who thinks he's better than me make me feel that way because he's not better than me, you know? And mm. so it really gave me that power. And I, I already, I was an actress before I did theater and I was always like almost always cast to play either like the sassy lead or the side slut character. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of used to like showing my body off and being sensual. And so um, that part wasn't that hard for me. It was mostly interacting with men. And so being able to do that is what really like helped me feel empowered because like, like in the documentary how they're just like, oh, take away the judgments from men and the patriarchal view and the male gaze, get rid of the male gaze in your mind. But it's like, from my experience, most men could care less what you look like as long as you're naked. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea that like, all men and that the male gaze is like super judgmental and harsh. It's like, I have gotten more of that from other women than I have from men, especially mm. at the strip club. I have had women customers straight up tell me when they weren't tipping me, I asked, are you going to tip? They told me I'd tip you if you had bigger tits. A woman told me that. Mm. Yeah. Her friends were so embarrassed. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, yeah, I've had men make comments and stuff, but they're mostly just dumb comments. The comments right. where it's like outright body shaming, I've gotten it from women. Mm. And so it's like, it was, it's just kind of funny to me how they're just like making it seem like, like, oh, if you like dancing in front of men makes you self-conscious because they're thinking about all of your insecurities. And it's like, no, they're not. They're thinking about your your kitty <laughs> they're thinking about tits and ass mm -hmm. they could care less if it's big or small you know mm -hmm. ah, so, that was yeah, also that was, interesting yeah for like <laughs> yeah it's just like um that's the thing that i thought was like pretty funny is like how much they wanted to separate from the strip club and how much like in general pole dancers want to separate from the strip club because they think it's such a toxic horrible patriarchal environment when in reality like i mean from the two clubs that i've worked at and from the experiences of other dancers that i know it's a very feminine place there it's very like the women are in charge like even though the men like there's men owning the club and stuff like the dancers and the women in the club are in charge like you know, like, yeah, we kind of run, we run the show, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's always interesting to me when people outside of the stripping community want to reclaim the club and be like, and like make it like some sort of like safe haven for women as mm. if it's not already. Mm. It's like, maybe this is just my own personal experience, but like the like connection you have with other dancers, especially when dancing on stage and when another dancer is on stage, like when you're not doing anything and you just look at the other dancer and then they look at you, you know, they're dancing for you. 
Mm. They're dancing for their, their coworkers, for their sisters, for themselves. Mm. They're not dancing for the men. And honestly, those are the people who make the most money are the dancers who dance for themselves. You get in mm. like, you get on stage and you start like feeling yourself and really, really like owning your power that is when you make the most money. It doesn't matter like if you're doing everything that a man, that the guys want. If you're doing everything that the guys like with like no passion, no confidence, you're going to get your obligatory tip, you know? Mm. But if you are confidently owning yourself on stage, like that's when you actually make money. And so it's just, it's just interesting how they're like, painting it as like the strip club is like all for men and it's all about the male gaze and the patriarchy. And it's just like, I have not gotten that. That is not my experience. Oh my gosh. So interesting. Thank you for speaking to this. I have also noticed that the women in strip clubs have been some of the most, like they have the most internalized misogyny in a strange way. Like they are, they feel really comfortable saying fucked up shit and they feel really comfortable smacking your ass. Things mm-hmm. like actual, like that men will mostly not do mm-hmm. or they wouldn't like, so I've had my guard up more around women customers than around. I mean, I have my guard up at all times, Yeah, you know, protecting myself, saying. but it has become, it has been more of a, I do feel more of a need to already just like understand that I might be attacked by a woman versus a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to speak to the male gaze thing, it's like what you said is so interesting because it's like having the confidence and ownership in yourself to perform is not exactly giving the power to the male gaze. But in the film, a lot of the power was centered around the male gaze because they talked about weight loss and they talked about makeover and they talked about, um, you know, having those three random men in the club to heal some sort of like all everybody, you know, everybody who before had hurt you or something. That was really strange. But in an actual strip club, like the male gaze isn't centered in the same way. Like, you're right. We have security. We, ha- we feel in our power to say when something is, has crossed our boundary and the, for the most part, the security steps in or like they, they take our words for it versus the men, you know, they're on our side. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that is an empowering space to get to interact with the male gaze or with men. I had a similar experience where I feel like it was healing because in a certain way I had dehumanized men due to the toxic experiences I had with men and right leading up to before I was a, a stripper. So I was thinking, you know, how am I going to deal with these men? And actually it became a really healing experience to have like human interaction and to understand, like you said, um, it's like, At the end of the day, uh, they're humans, (laughs) which sounds strange, but like for a long time, I couldn't, I wasn't relating to men in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think like it takes a certain level. I do like to occasionally hold spaces where men are not involved because I do think there's a certain level of healing with self uh, connection to like your own self feeling how you're doing it from within versus giving the power to the validation and like, you know, going on the stage and saying, I'm only worthy if this person, yeah. Like if you go on the stage and you say, I'm only worthy if these people are tipping me, like you're not going to get any, you have to be in your confidence and your power because it's very transparent, very visible. You're Mm -hmm. not. So yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, touching back on that, like when in the documentary, when they brought the three men in the studio to do that, like healing thing and stuff, I just thought that was so hypocritical because mm-hmm. the way that they talked about strip clubs as being like a dark, dingy, like the other side of pool. 
And then they use basically what we do in the club. They used it for their own healing because for me, I've had exactly like experiences like that with men, with male customers where it's like, there's some sort of connection and there's like an emotional healing from that Mm. because it's like, I see you as a person, you see me as a person, you know, we're both Mm. going through our bullshit. We both lived hard lives like everyone has. And so like the fact that they're kind of like, they took like, they made it seem like, Oh, this is something that you can only do in like a space like this. And it's like when us strippers, like a lot of us are, kind of therapist to our customers and so there is some sort of emotional thing that you get like you you have some sort of emotional relationships with some of these customers where it's like mm-hmm. you care about them and they care about you you know like mm-hmm. there's this understanding mm-hmm. that you're all you're both just human beings and that mm-hmm. this is like a weird thing that you're doing you know the weird relationship of the stripper and a customer but at the same time, it's so unique and it's just like so like almost raw because it's like I'm naked and you are and the customer is being almost emotionally vulnerable, which allows me to be emotionally vulnerable. And so mm-hmm. like, yeah, there have been plenty of times where it's like a customer will be going through a rough time or like I'll be going through a rough time. And we'll hug and it'll be like such a nice experience. Mm. And so it was, it felt like very appropriative for them to just like be doing that kind of weird thing in the, the studio of like dancing in front of men and allowing the male gaze in or whatever they were saying, because it's just like, so in the club, that's not okay, but here it is. Right. Like, they don't even think we do that shit in the club. They don't even think we can have those transformative spiritual and emotional experiences in the club. Like, they think mm-hmm. it's so shallow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's such a part of the problem with, like, if you're, if you're holding a space where you're talking about stripping, but you don't, ha- you don't know about it. <laughs> Like you don't, you didn't do the research, mm-hmm. the, the lived experience or the research. And so there you have another hollow experience masquerading as like an empowering experience. Which mm-hmm. If you have been empowered in your body, and this is what I felt like as a person who was already empowered in my sexuality, going into that space of the classroom, I was like, I don't feel empowered here. <laughs> And I didn't have the words at the time. I was like, I don't know how to, I just don't want to be here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, like, it took a while for me to digest and be like, yeah, this is not empowering. And this is why, like, it's not like, I wasn't crazy clearly because I'm in, in connecting with other people who have uh, interacted with this modality. And, uh, you know, ever since just talking about it, meeting you, like different people who have been speaking about it, like, yeah, I wasn't crazy. And I thought I was for a minute. Yeah. Um, you know, I was gaslighting myself, but anyway, um, that's part of, I think, decolonizing sexual empowerment, right. Is having diverse voices that are teaching like diverse, um, conversations that include other voices. It doesn't necessarily mean like all of the white women in the world have to stop doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean yes. that it's like, can you, just own that you it's it's they're just upholding like a patriarchal method of saying I know something that you don't and it's a power over kind of situation mm-hmm. and that I think is is problematic it's like yeah so what do you think it means personally to decolonize sexual empowerment um so for me like it I feel like it means just like Realizing that empowerment doesn't need to fit a certain mold because I think people, when people a lot of times, like I know myself, like when you think empowerment, women empowerment, we think like girl boss, girl power, stuff like that. And I think, I think those things are 
too, I don't know how to put it into words, but I don't think that's where we should be focusing on. I think talk, when we talk about empowerment, I think we need to take the things that have been used against us and reclaiming it. But I think mm -hmm. like decolonizing empowerment is reclaiming things that have been used against you. So like for sex workers, like reclaiming our bodies and using our voices and pushing our boundaries and stuff, you know, like mm -hmm. a lot of us have, we have, you know, become empowered through sex work because it has allowed us to reclaim ourselves. And I think giving BIPOC people the mic and like allowing them to speak about like their experiences and like when it comes to sexuality and all that stuff, because I feel like we look at sexuality through a very um, like white lens and like we don't look at things in how they could come across in like other cultures. And so like mm. I grew up in a Latin household and so like sex wasn't really like it, it's not like it was a bad thing, but it was like like my parents were fairly liberal about it, but like my my other family was like very hush hush, you know, Catholic and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was like I was taught that like sensual movement was okay. I was never taught that sensual movement was inherently like inappropriate or that like me moving a certain way was like sexual like mm -hmm. like I this might not sound right but I feel like there is a way for you to be in your sexuality without being sexual you know absolutely yeah where it's like you're feeling your body and all of this stuff because like when we look at like the development of children and stuff like growing up, we're always curious, you know, and there is curiosities towards like sexuality and certain things. And so like when you were little, like you watch your favorite pop star on TV and you see, you see her dancing in a very sexual way and you're curious because you want to dance like that. And it's not sexual to you, but it's, exciting and it's mm. it's something that you want to tap into and even though like you know you're a child I don't think like it's not sexual because it's like you're tapping into your sexuality but not in a sexual way you know like how right it's nature exactly it's nature, like right? how if you're if you're queer you grow up thinking that you're queer you're not thinking about sex you're thinking about your sexuality and so, like, it's a, it's a very, like, weird thing where it's, like, sex and sexuality are different, you mm, know? And so totally. when it comes to, like, empowerment, we often kind of group it all together. And so mm. it's, like, if a woman is being, like, sensual, people automatically think that she's being sexual. And... I feel like understanding different cultures and stuff like that, like, can really help because like in my culture, moving in a sexual or sensual way isn't exactly sexual. It's not about sex. It's about right. moving your body in a way that feels good. And so mm -hmm. like when I was a child, I would copy Shakira and my family encouraged it. My parents encouraged it. They didn't think it was inappropriate or it was wrong because, you know, it was cute and it's like how we dance and like they would be like oh sexy but they don't mean like sexy as in sexual they mean as like oh so cute like you're moving you're embracing yourself you're being who you are you know yeah and like it's like talking about like sexual empowerment we just like we need to be more open to other people's experiences and not completely shut shut off when it feels like, oh, that's inappropriate or, mm. oh, that's uncomfortable for me, you know, mm -hmm. because for a lot of people, like 
when we talk about sex work, it's uncomfortable for them because they automatically think of trafficking and slavery. And so they don't want to think about that, but it's like, we need to start realizing that there's nuance to these conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry, I was like, ram- I'm like rambling. So no, it's tired, so, so. so much wisdom that you just shared. Please don't apologize. That was brilliant. Hanging mm-hmm. on every word. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like going yeah. So it's like, I need to always. It's like, good. You have the space here. This is why I invited you to share your voice and like just what you're, <laughs> you're thinking about and processing. And um, yeah, gosh, I, I think it's, it's such so. An, you see of a point you make like our erotic natures belong to us firstly foremost like it is ours Mm -hmm. and the fact that we get to when we get to share it if we want to share it like there shouldn't be shame around it you know and the the shame is really the problem Mm -hmm. uh because in we're nature like a flower blooms you know, human have sex like, mm-hmm. and humans have sexual energy, which is um, not inherently like a transactional thing. It's not inherently like a relational thing either, per se. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that um, you're right when we bring in more awareness of how other cultures, how other uh, races, like how, like class and how gender plays into how we think, how we perceive about it. Like we need to create that awareness in the conversation. It can't be an afterthought that you write when you're covering your ass in the article. Like it has to be the first day of class. (laughs) It has to be woven into the fabric. That way we are fully informed, responsible beings. And we're understanding where our, um, and this is why I always talk about herstory. Like in my offerings, I talk about like we need to understand where we are in the context, in the context of our own lives, and in the greater context. Because otherwise, if it's just empowering for you personally, but it's ignoring the collective, is it necessarily moving us forward? I don't think so. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think that's been kind of a missing point in the conversation, in the greater overarching. Uh, conversation. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else that you feel like you want to speak to, or is there anything that you're promoting right now? How can we support you? Um, I feel like I said a lot of things. So, um, if I say more things, I won't stop. <laughs> um, I don't, I think I, might have just said like everything I need to say. Like my brain actually might feel em- feels a little empty now. <laughs> Solid. Solid. Um, but yeah, um, I've got a virtual show coming up um, next Saturday, this Saturday, the 26th um, at 6 p.m. It's called Forbidden Circus um, and it is the snow moon show. So it's going to be Ooh. exciting. Um, I'm performing and a bunch of other amazing, uh, I think it's all like strippers and sex workers all, you know, in the, the sex industry. So I'm excited. Um, it's going to be fun. Um, yeah. And I mostly just like post content all the time, like on here on my Instagram. Um, I am on TikTok at April Hayes, one, one, four, four. Um, and then I'm on Twitter, which is April Hayes, 14 and only fans, which is also April Hayes, 14. So everything is April Hayes, 14, except for TikTok because I got banned the first time. Nice. <laughs> um, got it. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I got going on. Um, yeah. That is all awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Definitely check out April Hayes' performances. You move like so you move so beautifully. And thank you. So please do support April and support other um, dancers who have like transitioned their life to online, you know, um, strippers and uh, sex workers who've moved their work online. Do support them when you see that. Um, and um, 
And yeah, thank you for tuning into this conversation. Thank you for listening in. April shared so much truth. I know you want to stay in touch and witness her magic on the poll. It's such a blessing to your Instagram feed. So head over to the show notes and give her a follow and show her some love. And here is some big pussy empowered news for you. I'm launching a membership program. It's called Pussy Empowered the Movement, and it is an actual dream come true for me. If you desire to dismantle patriarchy and feel supported by a fun-loving community of fellow badasses, this is the space for you. You can learn more about this brand spanking new offering by going to alyssaaparicio.com or via the, the link in the show notes. Until next time.